0: Welcome to The Approach Shot, the golf show that's more laughs than links, more stories than strokes, more guffaws than golfers. Here are the hosts of The Approach Shot, John Ashton and Neil
1: Michaels. It is time for us. Man, I've been waiting all week. How about you? I have been
2: waiting all week. I'm excited. Yes, indeed. I'm John Ashton. This is The Approach Shot. I am Neil Michaels, and uh, yeah, big week. Uh, we got completely deluged with rain here on the West Coast, and it reminds me of the time when I used to live back on the East Coast when three or four inches of snow would fall and people would just lose their minds. I know, it's great. <laughs> when when you come from
1: from a place where they would shovel the snow, actually, they didn't shovel, they plowed, mm-hmm. but instead of plowing the snow to the side of the road yeah, in Maine... They plowed it to the middle of the road. and then no sense. Just work with me here. I'm hanging in there, okay. And then a large piece of machinery with a snowblower-style front to it would come down that big pile of snow in the median of the road, chew it up, and shoot it into a dump truck that was following. And then the dump truck would take the snow and go to the river and dump it on the riverbank an hour after the snow stopped
2: and the streets were clear. That's incredible. That is incredible. But in July, there was still snow on the riverbank. I was going to say, I would think it would melt at some point, but in Maine, you know.
1: I worked one winter in Bangor, Maine, and we had a total snow accumulation of 166 inches.
0: Wow.
1: The day that they called me at 1130 at night and said, it's going to be tough to get up the hill and turn the transmitter on in the morning. So Mm. we're going to keep it on all night, but we suggest maybe you get to the studio now. Been there, done that, did that too. And what I did that night was I made a demo tape (laughs) and sent it to every station south of the Mason-Dixon line (laughs) I could tie. Because this this is going to happen one time. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'm out of here. Hey, man, I got to say, I'm with you, kind of. Kind of? I'm going to give you some good news and some bad news here about, about the football. We have okay. a, a former NFL great on the show today. We'll discuss that later. But, I mean, it's it's a big weekend coming up. Big weekend. Today is, this is it. We will know who's in the Super Bowl after today. That is true. I'm rooting for Baltimore, or Bollimer, or however you want to say it. Yeah, the don't Ravens. Even, don't even try.
2: Don't the If you Ravens. didn't live there, don't even try.
1: I know. But the <laughs> Ravens, man. And everybody asks, why are you doing that? That sounds kind of, Lamar Jackson went to the University of Louisville. I watched Lamar Jackson play ball for three years. He won the Heisman Trophy his junior year at the University of Louisville. So all the people who said, well, he might make a good defensive end or cornerback or something, but he's no quarterback.
2: Ha! Ha! (laughs) No quarterback. He's just the MVP of the league this year. Yeah. It didn't didn't turn into anything. uh, Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you know why they have stopped selling furniture or drink coasters? In Dallas? I do not know why they stopped selling coasters in Dallas. Why do I feel like this is a setup? As you know me all too well.
1: That's very true. (laughs) It's because not even the furniture in Dallas can get a ring.
2: Oh, man. (laughs) For for a team that has won as many Super Bowls as the Cowboys have, the joke only hurts so much, you know? I can still look back and be like, yes, I know it's been a while.
1: But, yeah. How right. long does one get to rest on one's laurels, man? That's the question.
2: That, well, you know what? Between us and the Steelers a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. The 49ers have decided that they don't want to do that and, you know, they're good yeah, they're, continuing to do that. They're, they're going to get back into it finally. Yeah, it's it's kind of incredible being all over social media and having cowboy fans and cowboy non-fans calling for Dak to be traded, go draft a quarterback, go get oh, a yeah. new coach and stuff and I. I'm thinking we won 12 games. Yes, we absolutely crapped the bed against green Bay. I think that had more to do with how well-prepared green Bay was. Right. But still we, we did crap the bed and, and it, it was, it was a painful game except for the fact that green Bay was doing, did it so well that I actually enjoyed watching them. So yeah, you
1: think yeah. loves a better quarterback
2: than Dak. No, the, the only issue I've got with Dak is his decision-making sometimes that when when a play is supposed to go in a certain place, and he looks out and he sees that that play's not there, he still throws the ball there anyway. Mm. That, that and I think that was part of the reason for his for his two interceptions. But no, I think I think he's a quality quarterback that has a huge future. I would personally like to see some different play calling. I think Mike McCarthy's play calling was great in 1982, but you know it ain't <laughs> 1982. <laughs> That's all
1: I'm saying. Well, Green Bay is another one of those teams that have been resting on their laurels for so long.
2: Yeah, Aaron Rodgers would disagree with you, but OK.
1: Well, I mean, what what they get to Super Bowl once with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. How many times did they get there with Favre? Or how, how, how well did they do? How much better did they do with Brett Favre at
2: quarterback than Aaron Rodgers? Let's put it this way. Bart Starr did better than both of them, I think. Another University of Louisville graduate. There you go. All right. You know, for a, for a guy who went, who lived, I've never said this to you, but I'm going to say it now. For a guy who lived in Boston mm-hmm. and Maine and Atlanta and mm-hmm. Charleston, South Carolina, mm-hmm. you you very much are the Louisville Homer. Well, you know what happened? I'll, I'll tell
1: you real quick. Okay. I I moved here in 1979. Okay. The night jock at W.A.K.Y. Radio that I was working at was friends with many of the guys on the 1979 slash 1980 University of Louisville basketball team. Okay. Okay. He liked me and I liked him and we hung out together and we started going to the same parties together. And I got to know a lot of the guys on the University of Louisville basketball team. You know what happened in 1980 to that team? They, they won the NCAA
2: championship. Ah, I, I was going to say they lost to Kentucky, but that would be every other year. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. No, they, they still, they still weren't the playing Cow-
1: Kentucky in 1980. <laughs> You're going to pick on the Cowboys. I'm going to take a shot at Louisville. <laughs> but that's, that's why, because, you know, they don't play college basketball in New England. No. I mean, they play it, but it's... Right. It's not stellar. I went to Temple University. Temple University hasn't won a basketball game since, I think, 1972. Right. And so there's very few people to get excited about. This year, I am not excited at all. Last year, (laughs) I think they won four games total, basketball games. Yeah. This year, they're on on track to maybe win six. So an improvement. yeah, yeah, we're getting better, yay. But, you know, basketball, it used to be, football season used to be, oh, damn, again, let's wait till basketball season. Then yeah, that's we can how, have fun.
2: That's how it was at Maryland when I went yeah. there. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's not that anymore. We got to get a new coach or a new team <laughs> or whatever. I don't care.
2: Well, yeah. you know, what's what's interesting about all of this talk, because, you know, we we, we tend not to talk a lot about our personal preferences because right. we have guests and we know a lot of you have your own personal favorites and stuff. So John and I talking about ours is pretty much just your way of being able to yell at the radio and <laughs> say hey, you know what? I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm a Yankees fan. I'm an Astros fan. I'm a Dodgers fan and we're like, yeah, I'm a Twins yeah. fan and, yeah. Yeah,
1: who cares? Who cares?
2: <laughs> but I but I got to tell you that what's a, a guy everybody's a fan of? Phil Mickelson. Mm-hmm. Yes. Phil Mickelson and he is making yes. He's making waves again, talking about live. He just was, he just had uh, on social media has the new live logo on his shirt and on his hat. So I'm sure people are going to lose their minds about the fact that Phil is talking about live again, but I'm a fan and it's not because I'm in San Diego. It's not because I used to have an office that was down the street from where he used to, you know, practice and stuff like that. He's Mm. just, he's just a guy. He has been just a
1: guy since he showed up on tour. You know, first he was left-handed and that was kind of out of the norm.
2: Yeah. And then he yeah. got to be real good. And then he got into what was basically a one-on-one thing with Tiger. And, yeah. you know, you were either a Phil fan or you were a Tiger fan. And it got, it I mean, it just, he's good for golf. He's good for golf, no matter yes, where me, he is. Let me give you another name of a guy who's good for golf that you won't recognize. All right. Dave Phillips. Yeah. Why do I know that name, but not know that name?
1: Because he is the guy who developed the Titleist Performance Institute, oh, which is the workout program that is designed specifically for golfers. Probably 99.9% of the PGA Tour do for for their workout regimen. Interesting. He, He got together with Phil because he's been Phil's workout guy for a very long time. Right. And together they put together some great stuff. It is called For Wellness. Yes, they have. Yes. And man, this stuff, this stuff is great. I am a coffee holic. And if I can get more healthy by drinking coffee, period, <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Screw the gym. <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink my coffee and I'll play golf. I you know something? I'm with you. I have I've I've put the sp- Good stuff, the 4 Wellness good stuff in my coffee since we started talking to them. First Mm -hmm. of all, I like mine with cream and a little sweetener. I know you take yours black generally, but I put this in there and I don't need sweetener anymore because it's got a little cinnamon taste to it that makes the coffee taste really good. But the interesting thing is it does give you more energy. It does give you more focus. And it's not that energy, the jittery energy. It's not like you're going to drink the coffee and pow, you're ready to go. It it just maintains you. And yet you'll go through the day and be like, I don't feel like I need a nap. I don't feel like yeah. I need to rest. It's just the energy level is there. And it's because of four wellness.
1: And they call it the good stuff, which yeah. is very apropos. I just got to say, they also offer recovery gummies, which is a perfect pre workout gummy. It's full of antioxidants and replenishing electrolytes. They help reduce muscle soreness and encourage quicker recovery.
2: If you are one of those that actually goes to the gym. Well, but I'll tell you this, we're (laughs) headed, my my wife and I are are headed to, they call it going to the desert, but we're going to Palm Springs because our sister and brother-in-law have a place out there literally after the show. And I'm going to go play 18 on a big boy course. Ooh. You know, I'm taking that recovery, the recovery gummies beforehand. Cause yes, I'm used to playing the executive courses and the par threes and stuff. So if I'm going to go out there and unbutton the shirt and really go for it, I'm going to be sore the next day. Yes. And
1: and you may want to not just take the uh, recovery gummies, but a couple of lessons before you get there. So if you drink coffee. It is time to give 4Wellness a try. Just go to 4 slash approach and use the code approach. You'll get 25% off your order. I'm sorry. Think- say
2: that again for other people okay. didn't hear it.
1: 4wellness.com backslash approach. 25% mm-hmm. off. And make sure you use our promo code approach so they know we sent you.
2: Yeah. Do it. 25%. That is some serious coin. For wellness.com slash approach. Do it now. You're gonna
1: tease the guest, or we just gonna sit here
2: <laughs> no, I don't, I didn't. We both just sort of stopped, didn't we? <laughs> with our bare faces uh, hanging out. <laughs> all right. Yes, I will I will tease our guest. Nah, 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 nah. That's not what it's not what you meant at all, is it? <laughs> no, no, exactly. I, you know, I and I'm not gonna go nah 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 to a <laughs> six foot five, two hundred and seventy pound former NFL stud, Howard Cross. played for the New York Giants during their Super Bowl year where they beat the Bills on what was considered the far right Scott Norwood miss they Mm -hmm. won the Super Bowl that year he was the tight end played with some studs we'll be talking about those guys but it was Phil Sims I know I know Louisville guy Uh, LT all of those guys played on that team and uh, he was he was the guy he was he was the blocker he was the beast you know but also you know in his career caught a bunch of touchdowns and we'll talk about all of that with Howard Cross when he comes and joins us. And he's going to be joining us in just a minute or two. Hang out. And we are back at the Approach Shot. I'm Neil Michaels. John Ashton got called away, which is a shame because I know he would love to talk to our guest today, 13-year NFL vet, Howard Cross. Howard, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing
2: today? Pleasure. We're doing good. I'm I'm actually in San Diego Where we just had all that rain. I don't know if it made the national news. Usually it's not so much, but we did. We had three months worth of rain in six hours.
0: Yeah, it made the national news. They've been talking about it. Yeah. All
2: right. right, We did it. Yeah. The great thing about San Diego is two days later it's back to normal. You know, good. Good. We'll be we'll be playing golf by Friday. So Howard, we've had a lot of guests on the show that have been NFL players or Major League Baseball players and stuff, but man, I got a list of things, a list of accomplishments in your life. And so I want to go through a couple of them, you know, not to bore people with too many stats, but 13 years in the NFL, all as a giant, which in itself is rather remarkable. Yeah, 207 games, in fact, as a giant, third all time, trailing only Eli Manning and Michael Strahan. So you are a giant through and through. Absolutely. All right. So, so when this year comes along, they're not playing badly. They, they sort of exceeded expectations, but they still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Are you that into it when you're watching the games?
0: yeah believe it or not i also do tv and radio for the team as well as my side job i'm yeah i'm at every game i'm on the side i'm the sideline reporter so i get a lot of time you know with the guys get to hang out with them at every a lot of training camp practices i get to go and and you know away games home games and, and you know really get the feel for it as i'm on the sideline talking to them yeah you've been doing radio from the very beginning from right after your career ended is that right uh, TV uh for a long time and radio became probably four years later and I haven't stopped since
2: and the transition how is the transition from on field to off field and behind the mic
0: I think it's a little it's a little different because in my mind I always thought like you know do these guys actually know what they're talking about <laughs> <Because> <laughs> even, even guys that you know they're played you always wonder like what are they talking about so I try to, you know, tread lightly and not not give away too much information and, and not beat on anybody too hard. Cause I know that everybody's trying their hardest, uh, even though they might make mistakes, they're they're still trying their hardest. It's true. And and I have to tell you that as somebody who
2: yells at the TV an awful lot, <laughs> sometimes you just kind of go, Oh man, do you really know what you're talking about? I, I have said this many times, mm-hmm. and so this isn't the first. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, so, you know, we're going to have to come to some kind of understanding here between us. (laughs) But Tony Romo on television makes me want to hit the mute button. (laughs) He just doesn't know when to shut up. And and it seems like a fairly easy thing to do. You know, in the booth, there's a play-by-play guy and there's a color guy. The play-by-play guy's job is to describe the action. The color guy is to give insight. So mm-hmm. when the color guy continues to talk into the play, we've sort of messed things up here.
0: <laughs> I think he's a little, just a little excited about, you know, being in the booth sometimes. Does uh, get a little excited. He like, likes to himself talk, so you can't hold that against <laughs> him.
2: Well, and I forgive him because he's a damn good golfer. So that, you yeah, know, that, that, can that definitely put that aside. Hey, you also went to Alabama beforehand, and you were there before Nick Saban. Is that yes, correct? I was. Uh-huh. So now that that has changed, are you still in touch with a lot of the alumni down there and how the, what the feeling is now that there's been a big change at Alabama?
0: Yeah. I've been talking to a lot of the alumni. I've been talking to some of the people that, you know, that that some of the old players, they're excited, you know, Nick, Nick's retirement was really sudden. No one really expected him to retire. And, right. you know, he's praying for the health of his family and making sure everybody's okay. it's just was a decision that he made just because he wanted to make it. I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as the coach they bring in from Washington, the, the guy's a real, real talented guy. He mm-hmm. has incredible offense year in and year out. I think that it's going to be the home for receivers for a long time, there'll be receivers from all over the country trying to get there. Uh, and they usually have a pretty good offensive line. So if he can bring and convert his quote-unquote system into Bama, it could be something special. Now, we'll talk about your
2: extended love of Alabama and why you're still into it here in a little bit. But um let's talk a little bit about Super Bowl twenty-five because okay. that was the Super Bowl that, as a giant, you guys won. And as the world tends to revolve and, you know, what happened before history repeating itself. That was the Super Bowl where everybody said Scott Norwood's kick was the it was the wide right game. Yeah. And here we are a week after the Bills <laughs> lose to the Chiefs and their kicker missed wide right. Uh,
0: right. Yeah, but uh, crazy, you know. right? No, no offense to to to, to uh, Scott Norwood or, or the young man that missed the Kick. The kick that was missed this weekend was more than wide right. It was way right, way wide right. <laughs> <laughs> but they're gonna they're gonna they are gonna say wide right. But I felt bad for him. You know, it's one of those things. Don't want to be the reason that the, the game doesn't keep continuing. And you know, for kickers, it's kind of like you, you damn it if you do and damn it if you don't. And he just missed it wide right, and I felt bad. A lot of energy put into that game. A lot of hard plays, and you know, they got him down there in position. You got one job It's a little hard to do sometimes. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and I think that the smart fans and the smart players understand that when they say that the kick was missed and that was the reason they missed the, that they lost the game, that there were plenty of other opportunities that they had that were missed. It just was, you know, it's at the end of the game that that makes that kind of a difference. But the Bills had a lot of other opportunities in both games
0: to yeah. do something and put some space between them. I, th- I think in, in in the game in in uh, 1990 when we played them in the Super Bowl, I mm-hmm. think that the big thing there is that we had the game plan that Belichick and and, and Parcells had the game plan. You know, that we're not going to allow you know the, the receivers to be a part of the game. We'll we'll take Thurman, you know, running for 200 yards, but he, he he won't beat us. But the receivers and the tight end could. So they really focused in on receivers, and that's back when you could really hit a guy coming across the middle. So that's they, right. You know, yeah. They shut that down. And and believe it or not, the scouting report on Norwood was that at over 45 yards. His, his his percentage of makes off of grass went down drastically. So they were trying to keep him out of a certain area. And I think it was a 46 or 47-yard kick. And he missed. I mean, it, it looked like it was going to go in, but he, he missed. So the, the scouting reports are right. As far as the game You know that they played what, against Kansas City, Stephon Diggs is an incredible receiver. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason – he dropped a few passes that would have changed the whole floor of the game if he makes those catches. So I have no idea, you know, kind of how or why they're doing it. They could have put the game out of reach, uh, gets slapped away, slaps a ball through the end zone. Kansas City uh, drops the ball in the end zone. And then the, the, the quote-unquote touchback rule was really weird. So that's also interesting. But as far as, you know, the kicker, he had one play. Diggs may have dropped three balls that would have changed the game.
2: That's right. That's right. And it was. It was interesting watching the game when that ball, as you said, that got slapped through the end zone, that was a touchback, I, I was rooting for Kansas City. And the minute that happened, everybody that was in the room with me said, oh, you know, that's a fumble or that's a this. And I was like, nope, that's going to be a touchback. That that ball is coming back out and it's going to Buffalo. It was odd how tight everybody seemed in that game. I think mm-hmm. the expectation of making this another classic Bills-Chiefs game was such that that it just it felt like everybody was just a bit tight until Kansas City's offense started to flow.
0: Yeah, I, I thought they did a good job of, you know, Buffalo did a really good job staying really focused, uh trying to keep the receivers at bay. Uh and Kansas City's been struggling all year with guys dropping balls, guys being aligned mm-hmm. all sides. So they've had numerous errors, but somehow, some way Patrick Mahomes kind of pull these guys together. They when it comes to the playoffs, they start playing better. As far as Buffalo, I thought that Josh came, he he had a great oh, game. He I He had probably one of the best games he's had all year, you know, but he can't throw it and catch it. That's, that's, what right. <laughs> so that's, right. that's kind of the issue there. But, you know, it, it was billed as one of the best games of the playoffs so far, and it, it kind of lived up to it. I'm really excited to see, you know, how if Kansas City can hold themselves together and play against an extraordinary Baltimore defense because the Ravens are – their defense is – pretty much historic right now no one's really talking about it as much
2: it's funny yeah you baltimore we were talking just before you came on john is rooting for baltimore because lamar jackson went to the university of louisville um, <laughs> he's, he's from that part of town okay. but yeah you know baltimore seems like even though they had the best record in the afc they're very much under the radar and 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 i gotta tell you you sound very much like an analyst these days <laughs> I, I, yeah, I could just sit back and listen to you talk about it but You know, I I think maybe you had a couple other things that you did in your career. Let's go back to let's go back to your Super Bowl, because, I you know, people said that you were a blocker slash receiver, not Mm -hmm. a receiver slash blocker. And and we've watched back some of the games and you were a badass when it came to blocking, (laughs) you know. If you're a DB and you see Howard cross 270 pounds coming at you, you, you don't want to be in that in that area.
0: Well, we had you know different different world, different generation. It was the three yards in a cloud of dust era where we right. played. So you know, in big guys, I think maybe Novacek in Dallas, uh, Jordan and, and, and um, Jordan maybe over in Minnesota. Minnesota. Those uh-huh. were kind of the receiving tight ends, and and they were having minimal success, whereas the Giants. Were having great success the Bears were having great success you know teams that could really get after you on the ground and it was both you know mostly ground and pound football back in the day so we we focused on it they they brought me in I had won an award in college for blocking so they're like this is you know this is your job we're gonna throw you the ball sometimes but we want you to be able to hold a corner and, and set the edge and you know I could take on linebackers or sometimes even defensive ends without help so that would help the running game a lot
2: yeah no question and and Let's also remember that in that Super Bowl that that the Giants won, you had four catches, <laughs> all of which were for first downs. So you were that guy too. It wasn't just that when they threw you the ball, you know, it was it was because something else wasn't there. You yeah. had four catches, and they were they were to you because they wanted to get first downs, and they knew you could do that.
0: Yeah, there were plays designed specifically for me. That was something that I was you know very proud of at the time because they, we went into the game and Coach was like, okay. You're going to have a big, big role in the game. I'm like, okay, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do whatever you need. And they're like, okay, and they throw your ball in practice. I started laughing. I'm like, what is going on? He goes like, this is going to be a big role. Are you ready for it? I'm like, absolutely. Let's go. Oh, you're not just talking. You actually mean it, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well,
2: before we, before we, we're going to talk about your golf game here in a minute, but before we do, I want to, I want to ask you about the fact that you had three of the most incredible coaches that you played for over your time there, Parcells you mentioned already, Dan Reeves who came in and was entirely different, but mm-hmm. incredibly successful in his own right, and then Jim Fossil who was also incredibly successful.
0: Yeah, how um, do
2: you look back on them? What do you, what are the differences? You know, I don't think Bill could coach today.
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> really. It- no, nah, it, it's just the, the roughness and the toughness and, and everybody's got emotions and feelings now. So it'd be hard to be be, you know, be a part of a team, uh, these younger guys, because they just don't respond well to like that rough, tough exterior. So that would be hard for him. Dan Reeves was more of a, you know, it was how can I explain it, Dan? God, God rest his soul. He was a gentleman, you know, mm-hmm. he was the rough, tough guy. Dan was the gentleman. Dan, you know, brought his wife on the road. He, he, you know, he was just the, the perfect guy. You know, church guy. He he did it all like it with a touch of class. And Coach Fossil, you know, you you could just consider him like the runner or gunner. He wanted to throw the ball around the field and toss it around. He needed a quarterback in the game that he could that he had confidence in. And eventually, we got to carry Collins. He he enjoyed you know spreading the ball around and getting the ball down the field.
2: You know, I think everybody knew that about Reeves, but he was also I guess he took that that level of gentlemanliness almost a slickness to the game. The way he seemed to approach things was very precision. It wasn't yeah. necessarily rough, tough, but it was do your
0: job and do it right. He was kind of like, you know, having Elway as a quarterback for a long time gave him some gave him some great advantages. So, you know, eventually they got around to running the ball. When they ran the ball, you know, Elway got to, got himself two Super Bowls. I think that kind of brought Bill and, you know, Dan into the 20th century of football, so to speak, and he kept doing that even with the Giants. He liked the way that he was able to run the ball. He liked picking players also. So that was that was something that he, that him and uh, George Young were having a problem with at the time. But he really liked moving and running the ball, and he kind of like you know we were three yards in a cloud of dust. We kind of kept that, but we started to grow the pass game once Dan got there.
2: One story that that everybody needs to hear there in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers, Okay. There was a fake punt called <laughs> yeah. with Gary Reasons, who's been on the show, and he ran for a first down. And apparently
0: you knew nothing about this. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Did not know the play was happening. It's one of those things that you're on the field and the play gets called, so you don't get to, like, they can't come on the field. It's a fake. It's a fake. So I'm there, and I'm like, the guy's in front of me. If you watch it on, on tape, I block the guy. And I'm, like, waiting to hear the sound of the punt. And Gary runs by us. So I'm like, oh man. I'm like, chasing <laughs> him I'm like, he's, we're gonna get a flag for this. And I'm like, wait a minute, he has the ball. And it's like, it's like, it's like really amazing to me at, at the moment. I get on the field. We're jumping up and down. And he's like, Gary looks at me. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't know. <laughs>
2: I had no idea. No. <laughs> I had heard something about that. And just to hear you tell it is even better. That's fantastic. It was, it
0: was really funny.
2: All right, we're going to get to your golf game here, but we got to take a break. It's it's great to have you. Howard Cross is with us, and we are The Approach Shot, and we'll be back right after this. And we are back. We are The Approach Shot. I'm Neil Michaels. John Ashton got called away, and we are here with Howard Cross. And Howard, great stories on on the Giants football. I love the fact that you still wear that in your heart and stuff. (laughs) But when you go out and play golf, are you looked at as a former athlete or you looked at as a giant or do you go out as Howard Cross? Do you separate the two?
0: Well, it depends. You know, if I'm playing with my buddies and stuff it's just Howard Cross or goofing off playing, uh, trying to win a few bucks here and there. If it's at a corporate event or a, or a charitable event, you know, that I'm in someone's force and trying to help them, you know, win and, <laughs> and win a tournament. So it, it, it goes a little bit both ways with my day-to-day game. People make fun of me when I'm when I'm playing a the courses. They're like, "Are you like the mayor or somebody?" Like everybody knows you. That, that starts to worry me. I said, "Maybe I'm playing too much golf, but uh, I got a, got a job too." But I, I definitely enjoy playing and getting out. And yeah, I go out. It's just as me. Have fun.
2: I remember talking to Jeff Garcia a while back about having to play in a best ball, and you're the celebrity. <laughs> and they come up and here comes Howard Cross 6 foot 5 big guy and the expectation is man you are going to crank it you're going to be the guy that saves the team mm-hmm. and then you get out there and sometimes it's not your best game do they look at you like man you're letting us down or do you get to a point really quick where they say well let's talk about the giants and hear some stories
0: <laughs> no usually i go out and i like i'll go i'll get to the venue I'm smiling, shaking hands and everything, and I'll I'll find my team as quickly as I possibly can. And I ask them, like, hey, what's your handicap? And they're like, what? I'm like, what's your handicap? Well, I'm a and I kind of figure out if they if they can play or if they can't play. And if they can't play, I'll go to the range and start working on my game because I know I got to help them out for the whole day. If they're all like, you know, this guy's a three, this guy's a two, then I go to the bar and have a beer (laughs) and I relax. Make sure I got enough cigars at the moment, but it's fun. Yeah, usually, you know, most of the time when I'm playing, I'm they, you know, teams ask for me and stuff so they can figure out if we can get get a chance to win. And I keep them kind of close. They keep it loose. We have fun with it.
2: What's Part of your game in a situation like that, do you count on your the most the t game, short game, putter?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm a great putter. I, I read putts well if there's no caddy, so that's one thing that I enjoy a lot. Uh, probably my approach shot. So you know, from 250 in, I can probably almost get it on the green every time, uh, close to it to make it easier for these guys. If I'm with four guys that can't play at all, basically, you know, put them in positions where they can get, you know, easier shots and make sure they're having fun doing it. And how long have been playing? Ooh, that's a great question. I probably started playing mid to late 90s. I was a basketball player for the longest time. And, you know, it's just bad on your knees. And eventually, like, you know, the doctor will tell me, like, if you keep playing basketball, you're going to have to have... A knee replacement. I'm like, yeah, right. One weekend we played and my knee was swollen for like two weeks. I'm like, maybe they're right. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, the
2: docs the, are right every once in a while.
0: <laughs> and Sims and LT used to beat on me all the time about, you should really pick up this game. You should really pick up this game. And I kind of laughed at him. I'm like, this is an old man's game. No one plays golf. And <laughs> I got from the first round I played at could have been Hackensack Country Club or somewhere like that. And I remember with clubs that were too short. I didn't own clubs. I didn't own anything. right and It was pouring down rain. And I'm like, why in the world would they play golf in the rain? The guy goes, You're a football player. Of course you can play in the rain. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And as we go around, he keeps talking to me. He goes, You got a great swing. And I'm like, this guy's nuts. I can't even hit the ball. And I swung a whole day. And I remember hitting one shot and the ball goes up, it drew in, it hits the green, it kind of trickles towards the hole. And I thought to myself, if I had my own clubs, I could play this game. And that's the worst thought you could ever have. That's right. <laughs> you should get lessons and everything. But from that point on, I've been like addicted to the game. Play all the time. I'm always grinding at it.
2: You fell victim to what we all fall victim to, which is you <laughs> hit the one good shot. And that just yeah. makes you think that you can hit every
0: good shot. The caddy said, if you hit a great shot, it's like a tuning fork to your soul. I'm like, yeah, okay, Socrates, tuning fork to your soul. And, he, and I added, I'm like, I could do. That. I just need my own clubs. That's all it is. That's all it was. That and and now you have your own clubs. And oh my goodness, I, this is like my fifth set or sixth set. <laughs> the club is, is definitely it's definitely not the uh, arrow. It's, it's the archer. Believe me. So I, I thank God funny because you're never the same two days in a row. Your body doesn't feel the same two days in a row. And I'm always amazed by how you know consistent the the pros are on, on tour because they they're, they're one they're working at it constantly all the time. But they're so, so, so consistent. And I think that's probably the one thing is, as the quote-unquote uh, amateur golfer, we all want to be more consistent. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can have some good rounds, but you're not going to shoot 75 every time you go out or, or 80 or 80 one week or maybe 90 one week. And you're trying to figure out what happened. I'm the same guy at the same course this't right. work that way
2: <laughs> one of the interesting things I think about professional athletes playing golf is you've spent your career playing against other people mm-hmm. so if you're the Giants and you're playing the Cowboys and you're the tight end and that day you know your assignment is this guy mm-hmm. take care of this guy make sure that you take care of of playing against this team and then you turn into a golfer and you're playing against yourself
0: absolutely absolutely I think I think the biggest thing about that I, I gave a I talked to uh, I think my daughter's when she was playing her her high school golf team and I said this and the coach loved it. He's I said remember when you're playing, remember who you're playing with. And they kind of like looked around. Says no, who you're playing with? If you're hitting a fade, that's who you're playing with that day. You're playing with the fade. Mm-hmm. If you're hitting a draw, you're playing with a draw player. Just try to figure out who you're playing with before you get to the course, and then you'll have a better you have a better chance of you know having a good day. Like some days you go out and do like I can't hit it. I can hit it as far as I want to, but it is not gonna go in the direction I want it to go. I'm like, okay, so this balls me the right guy today. So like, gotta aim a little left and slow down, the swing, figure it out. <laughs> That's interesting
2: that you say that. I'm I'm going out tomorrow and I'm gonna play 18 out in Palm Springs, which isn't far from nice. where I am. And uh this will be the first time I've played that course, and I can't wait to see who shows up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And the other thing that we say a lot is the range is a liar. The range, I'm like, <laughs> That's right. like, they're right. like what does that mean? I'm like, man, this it's, it's always level. Every shot's in the right spot. When you sit down, your feet are in perfect position. I'm like, when you get out on the course, there are hills or moguls or everything. You don't know what's going to be out there.
2: Yeah, the course is a liar.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> the course is a liar. That the, the I think it's the other way around. I think the driving range is is pure and no, honest. And no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
0: Range lies. You go, every time I go to the range, you have a great session. I'm like, I'm gonna kill it today. This is gonna be the best day ever. But then you hit the first shot. I'm like, see, great drive. I'm like, oh man, I got this downhill lie. I'm like, ah, ah. <laughs> I didn't have any of that on the range.
2: It's funny They're about none. that. Zero. <laughs> Howard, golf is is a funny game that way. You know what's even funnier? When we come back, we've got a six-pack of questions for you. Uh-oh. We're going to fire them off at you. We're going to ask you to give us the first answer that comes to mind. It's the six-pack on the approach shot with Howard Cross. We'll be right back. And we are back, as promised, with Howard Cross and... The feared six-pack, don't you know? We're gonna shoot a mouth at you. Don't you be thinking, don't you be thinking? We'll give you the ah, if we if I think you're <laughs> like not giving us the first answer, we'll get we'll give you the buzzer. You ready for this? Yeah. All right. Question one: You played with some incredible athletes, many of whom had equally incredible nicknames, like Phil Sims, whose nickname was Prince Valiant, Mark <laughs> Bavaro, whose nickname was Rambo. OJ Anderson and of course LT did you have a nickname that people don't know about I see
0: really yes in college has followed me around forever there was this uh, young lady who came up and she would just call you by your last the, the first letter of your last name and she goes hi C and like it was like a joke and everybody at school started calling me hi C and it lasts <laughs> and if I if I'm anywhere in the country on the sideline, I hear somebody scream, high C. I'll turn around and go, roll tide, and start waving at them. So it's pretty funny, yes.
2: That's hysterical. And and you're not <laughs> at all physically like the big high C guy. <laughs> that might have been a different thing. That's Kool-Aid. Can, it was Kool-Aid. That's Kool-Aid. But I can yeah. see you doing that. I can see you dressing yeah. up like that and doing
0: that. Uh, that's hilarious.
2: That is fun. All right, high C. We're going to write that down. If I have to <laughs> send you an email later, you'll know.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
2: Question two: What's your most memorably bad golf shot?
0: When I was trying to join a club one time, I went out with my buddy. We had just played uh, a short par four, and I had I had almost driven the green over the water. I was like all excited. I get on the next hole. And I'm trying to join this course. It's a it's a par three. I take my wedge and I slice it back onto this same green I just left. <laughs> <laughs> And the guys would be like, okay, I've seen a lot of things, but I've never seen that. I'm like, I'm glad I could help you guys out. Yeah.
2: You already said you're a good putter. Maybe you just wanted to go back and do that again. Maybe. <laughs> that's, that's great. I love that. <laughs> All right. Question three, and you just sort of alluded to it. So I like that you and I are on the same page. Let's pretend the approach shot is now DraftKings. Would you bet the over- Or under on this statement, I Howard Cross have said "Roll Tide" a thousand times in my life.
0: Over, bet the over, bet the over, bet the over, easy, bet the over. I've said it a million times every 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 day. Anybody you speak to, like if someone sees you walking through, you know, through the train station, you have an Alabama hat on. You'll you'll see another person. You're like "Roll Tide, Roll Tide." You just say it all the time. If you're in Alabama. You say it, uh, you know, hundred times a day, maybe. So it's it's impossible not to say roll tide a, a thousand times in my life easily.
2: All right, question four. Who do you root for when Notre Dame plays Alabama? And how's that rivalry between your kids?
0: <laughs> I root for Alabama, of course. I always root for my son. I love my son. Whatever he does, you know, we're we're behind him, we're screaming five, six. But there's no way you're not going to root for Alabama. I told my son, I'm like, I'm like, you chose Notre Dame, I chose Alabama. That's your fault. So you got oh. to. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. He's great school. He's doing a really good job. I'm very proud of him. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about him being an NFL player. You know, he's got a good shot. But I like the. You know, he had a. He went back for his COVID year, which is really cool. that uh, they can still do that. He's getting a chance to finish his masters before he actually goes into the draft. So he'll get you get an extra year of football, you get a masters, and then he'll get a get the chance to go to the NFL. So that's that's pretty awesome.
2: That's a, that's the way to do it. That's excellent. All right, question five. You missed only one game in your career, and each of the four passes you caught in the Super Bowl went for first downs. So basically You're the kind of guy your teammates could count on. In a scramble tournament, what can foursome teammates count on
0: from you? Laughter. I make (laughs) jokes the entire time. I have fun with it. I'm there for your entertainment and enjoyment. I want you to have as much fun as possible. That's what you can count on, me making you laugh the entire time.
2: There you go. That's that's a much better answer than a long drive or a good putt. (laughs)
0: You can't count on those those all the
2: time. (laughs) You can't count on those. You can count on the laughter. You can't count on those. John and I talk all the time about the fact that when you play in a scramble with people who are super serious and they want to win the thing, and let's say you do, let's say you end up in the money, first, second, or third prize, generally Mm -hmm. what you end up with is like a $100 gift card to the gift shop or $50 gift card Mm -hmm. to the gift shop.
0: It's not That's what would you
2: rather do? Have have four hours of laughter with Howard Cross <laughs> or end up with a with with a dozen balls that you'll probably end up losing before the <laughs> end of the year.
0: Well, I just like laughing and carrying all guy that if they win something, I'm like, oh, they're like, you can win the long drive. They're like, no, we want to score. Don't we? They're like, yeah. They're like they're usually so drunk by the end of the round, or they don't really care.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like anybody's really against that part of it. That's part yeah. of the good time. Mm-hmm. All right, in question six, and we ask this of everybody who comes on the show, since we are the approach shot, Howard Cross, in your approach to life, what one rule do you live by?
0: Fairness would be the one rule I live by. I think that everybody deserves a fair shot. I think that you know, I'd like a fair shot when someone first meets me, I try to give people a fair shot when I first meet them. I think that everybody has should have equal opportunity to almost anything and every, every, nothing should be withheld or held back to you. So I think that fairness is probably the rule I live by mostly. And I've never cheated anybody out of anything. I never will. I never try to take advantage of anybody, never will. I think of treating people fair is probably the best thing you could do and the best thing you could be, and that's the way I've been my entire life.
2: I love it. Howard Cross, you are off the hot seat. Well done, sir. <laughs> Thank you, made, You made that seem like it was kind of a lukewarm seat. You say the first thing that comes to mind. There you go. Well, you know what? If you're an honest guy and treats people fairly, it's easy. There are people that have had some trouble with some of the questions. (laughs) Hey, you also do a lot of work with ALS, which I I think, first of all, is is an incredible thing. Um, I know that there have been people that we have... Talked with over the years that have had people that have been afflicted by this awful disease, and um, I would just love to know what you're into with this and and how you got involved.
0: Well, uh, I got involved with it years ago. Uh, someone just asked me to come, you know, give a talk at at, the, at this charity, and I'm like, what's well, ALS? And I'm like, oh, well, is Like, yeah. So I knew what it was, but I didn't know what it was basically. After going to the charity and, and witnessing some of the, the the people who were patients and and were afflicted with ALS. It was just like one of those things. I'm like, I, I, anytime someone asks me for some help with that, I'd like to be a part of it. I've done walks, played in golf tournaments, been at dinners. Like, you know, two of my former teammates in college had ALS. Uh, hmm. Kevin Turner passed away and Kerry Good, uh is still alive. God bless. But, you know, stricken with ALS. So it's it's something that's like personal. Uh, it means a lot to me. And I, and it's one of those things like when I said to the people when I gave the first speech about it, I'm like, like, one day, I'd hope to see flying cars. And they're like, why would you want to see flying cars? Because in theory, we'll be able to cure a lot of things when we do. So right. let's find a way to get our get our cars in the air so we can cure this disease. And they're like, that's a good way of thinking of it. It's like, yeah. Uh, not that far away from it. So if we're not that far away from the cars, I'm, a, I'm praying we're not that far away from the cure for ALS as well. What's keeping you busy these days? And my main gig is I work for cushman Wakefield. I'm a broker in the city of manhattan uh so i do a lot of real estate here in manhattan uh when i'm not doing that i'm doing tv and radio uh for the giants I even doing some of their podcasts which is fun uh, my daughter's down in miami working at a hedge fund god bless her she did a great job right out of college my son has one more year of football so i'm gonna be of college football so i get to run around and chase behind him and and cheer and scream and love love watching him play but any moment that i have any waking moment any free moment I'm either chipping, putting, or trying to get to a some get, get to a somebody's course to play. And I'll play just about anywhere. You know, it's funny
2: that that you say that because John and I were talking about this a couple of weeks back. I live about two miles from this little par three. Mm-hmm. Pretty challenging. Um, a lot of 150, 170, but then a, some 90s and 120s. Um, and it's, there's, there's this gorgeous putting green right outside the clubhouse. I don't go there nearly enough. It's two miles from the house. When the uh, wife says, "You know, what do you want to do today?" I should say, "I'll be back in a half hour. I'm just going to go chip and putt." So
0: <laughs> exactly, I, there's a couple of courses, a uh, little public courses that have nice little chipping, and putting areas. And when it's nice out, I go over there and just, you know, hit a few balls and, and putt, and trying to get my keep my hands together because I, I sometimes. That's the one thing I lose before I lose anything else is my chipping. It it goes, sometimes I'm really good at it. And sometimes I'm like, okay, this is a bad shot. Can I put it from here?
2: Right. There's nothing worse than a nice drive, (laughs) a nice approach shot, and then being up close and either scalding it or not hitting it nearly close enough. And now you're three putting because
0: of the one shot. It's always, it's always a challenge. So, and it's, and it's funny. I play with about 30 guys uh, at this, at this course called Preakness Valley. They have two 18s and, they rank us. I don't know who does the math on this. They rank us. We play stableford uh, every, you know, Saturday and Sunday, and it's just hilarious of all the all the arguments that everybody's getting in the whole time. They say the rules beforehand, and then you just go play. It's awesome.
2: There you go. <laughs> I love that. Hey, you mentioned your podcast. What uh, what's the podcast so people can download it and listen to you?
0: Oh, we, we're on the uh, BBK Live. There's a Big Blue Kickoff Live. So we I get on there two or three times a, a, a month. Uh, I think with. This month, because of the uh, Senior Bowl, I think I I was on there just recently. You can go on Giants.com and and download BBK Live, and you can see myself, um, John Smelt, Papa's been on there a bunch, Uh, Carl Banks is on there a lot, Madeline Burke. So it's a bunch of us that go through a week, talk about the state of the Giants, what's happening, and we try to keep it as informative as possible. But uh, we have restrictions because if we know something and we're not supposed to talk about it, we talk around it and they're called Land <laughs> constantly. So it's pretty, it's a lot of fun,
2: man. I should have asked you some of those questions while you're here. You don't have those restrictions <laughs> on my show. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Howard, it's been great talking to you today. I just absolutely love it. And, you know, even as a cowboy fan, you know, talking to a guy who, who's a Super Bowl winner for the giants is, is a thrill for me.
0: Oh, I really appreciate it, man. Sorry about your cowboys, but there's always next year.
2: That's what we've been saying for a while now. And, and for all the <laughs> cowboy fans Don't lose your mind. Dak's still the man.
0: You say so. (laughs) Uh,
2: You say so much by saying so
0: little. (laughs) I love Dak. He's a nice kid, but I'm not going to say anything else. Okay. All right. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today
2: on The Approach Shot. You've been listening to The Approach Shot with the Weekend Golf Guys. If you like this week's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify,
1: or wherever you download your podcasts. And find us on the web at ApproachShot.net.
2: You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel.